1: From the coming storm Amen All creation shakes At the mention of His name
0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I want to read for you a response from one of our listeners, and then I'd like to talk with you about it. This listener writes, I just watched a video of another online ministry about the ten virgins who were all asleep, in the end time, including the church at large. The wise ended up having enough oil, but the foolish were not ready or saved. The commentator said he was convinced that social media and online teaching doesn't cut it in actually reaching people in the end. So I thought about that. I'm thinking that people need, quote, in-person, quote teaching and ministry to really be impacted in a greater way. Not that it's wrong to do radio slash video, but for every good teaching video, there is another teaching online to counteract it. Too many voices saying too many different things, and people giving up listening or getting weary of it. It can even cause a person to feel that they're not right with God or not good enough. I've read this comment several times. I want to walk back through it with you. This person writes, The commentator said that he was convinced that social media and online teaching doesn't cut it in actually reaching people in the end. So this person is thinking that people need in-person teaching and ministry to really be impacted in a greater way. Not that it's wrong to do radio slash video. I've been a pastor for many, many years. I've stood in the pulpit of many churches. I've done a great deal of personal, in-person teaching. I can tell you that in America, most people don't want to hear serious, in-person teaching. And it's no more effective than is radio or YouTube video. Except that when you have in person and you're very honest and very serious and people really want to know Jesus Christ and they want to pray through and they want to have other people praying with them Powerful things can happen. I'm praying that Jesus will open for us a public forum for revival. I'm praying that he will send the resources to rent that place. I know he will. I'm waiting on his timing. But I know there is no special anointing to preach in a physical pulpit than there is to preach sitting at this desk and sharing with you the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, the real issue is, as I shared yesterday, and if you have not listened to the great separation which I shared yesterday, please go back and listen carefully and share it with family and with friends. Some will not like it at all, but it is the truth. So help me God. So the argument that it's somehow needed to have in-person teaching for a greater impact, I've discovered, is simply, in my experience, not reality. Now, if you limit yourself to that one church and that one pastor, I think that's a good thing, providing that pastor is not corrupted in his teaching and he can, by the arrows of the Holy Spirit, move your heart sufficiently that you will transition out of the comfortableness of this worldly church, this American church, where even the language has been corrupted and destroyed. Let me give you an example. In the scripture, grace is never a covering over for sin. Grace is never God being tolerant with our sin. Rather, grace in the New Testament, and specifically in the book of Titus, is always to teach us to say no to ungodliness, to turn from sin to not give way to the lust of the heart for comfort, for ease, for laziness, for bitterness, for anger, for lukewarmness. Or take the word justification. In the American church and among the reformers, many, including Luther and Calvin, took the position that justification was a legal term with no regeneration. It was simply that all of my past sins are forgiven, but there was no change in me. Well, the word justification did not mean that in the Old English. It meant to be made holy. But the Greek word diksune was very clear. In the Old Covenant, it was used for a declared work of grace. Looking forward to Jesus dying on the cross. But in the New Covenant, the Apostle Paul uses dikasune, not to speak about a legal righteousness, but a real righteousness. a a total regeneration being made new. Do I believe in righteousness by faith? Absolutely, totally, completely. It's not by our works. It's not by our effort. It is a dramatic work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives to totally turn us away from our sin. But you see, if the modern church teaches... And you go to one of these churches that uses corrupt language, like legal term for justification without regeneration. And then you're free to be a sinning Christian. And you listen to that preacher alone, he will lead you to hell. That's why it's necessary for you not to trust any preacher, or any YouTube video, but to trust the Word of God and spend the time and energy turning off the television, turning off the YouTubes, and going to the Word of God and getting on your face before God and asking the Holy Spirit to teach you the truth. Now, it's also very clear that in the modern church, you're going to be taught that Jesus finished the work at the cross, meaning that he forgave your past, present, and future sins. And that's a lie. That's not what Jesus did on the cross. On the cross, Jesus made provision that our sins could be forgiven. So if you say he on the cross forgave us for past, present, and future, as John MacArthur teaches, a very popular preacher in our day, he's also the one who said you can take the mark of the beast because you can't lose your salvation. And so if you have to feed your family, you can take the mark of the beast because all future sin was forgiven at the cross. Can I use an old-fashioned term? That's malarkey. It's a lie. So don't trust any preacher, including this preacher. Instead, be responsible for yourself. Do the work of studying the scriptures and search out for yourself the truth of the word of God. And don't be deceived by modern translations that... Use corrupted language for salvation language. Now, I want to come back to this comment. This person writes, Not that it's wrong to do radio or video, but for every good teaching video, there's another teaching online to counteract it. Too many voices saying too many different things. And people give up listening or get weary of it. Well, that's exactly what the devil wants to have happen. He wants you to listen to this one and to this one and to that one and to this one. And then homogenize it all. Put it in the blender and whip it up. And then let your experience be the judge of what truth is. I can tell you plainly today that my experience does not dictate truth. Only Jesus and the Word of God can dictate what truth is. But what we've done in America is we have kind of homogenize the religious teachings of our day. And so we'll take a little bit of eternal security and we'll take a little bit of my sins were all forgiven at the cross, past, present, and future, and we'll take a little bit of of God loves me and, and I should be comforted in my experience with Jesus and a little bit of just a, a little touch of the wrath of God and the need to forgive one another and the need for me to be forgiven and we'll homogenize that by putting it in the blender and whipping it up and then we'll add a little sweet to that we'll have some praise and worship songs that are that are just sentimental and make me feel good and we'll drink that mess and we'll add that to our already full american life But what we're going to do is go about doing our shopping, going to our entertainment. We're going to go about doing all of the things we enjoy doing. And we're going to be lukewarm. And that's exactly what Jesus warned about in Revelation, the third chapter, Laodicea. And that describes America. So, Yes, you can listen to everybody, and then you can finally get weary of listening to them. You can turn them all off and homogenize everything, and now you know. You have the intellectual understanding. You've listened to John MacArthur. You've listened to Pastor Ray. You've listened to this one and to that one and to this one and that one, and you've come up with your own theology, and you're hellbound. Now, this person goes on and it becomes very clear the desperate issue that we have at stake. This person writes, it can even, that is all of these different teachings, can even cause a person to feel they are not right with God or not good enough. What is that saying? Well, to me, I'm not going to try to say what they were saying, but as I read this, what it says to me in plain English is that as this person has listened to Pilgrim's Progress, they have perhaps felt that maybe they're not right with God. And, of course, that's anathema. Don't tell me I'm not right with God. I remember one precious woman was a part of my church and I was doing pastoral visitation. I sat in her living room with my wife and I said to her, after she had spent quite some time describing the wickedness of her daughter and the wickedness of this pastor and that pastor and The bitterness was very evident in her voice. Her anger was very apparent. I finally said to her, have you considered whether or not you're really saved? Oh, and she blew up. She She got red in the face and she began to scream at me i'm just i'm just sitting in the living room and i ask a simple question are you sure you're saved she said i'm not going to consider that question that question is not even appropriate i have been a church member for many years and i am saved and i am on my way to heaven i am a mature christian you don't have a right to ask me that question I'm not going to visit that question, so don't ask me again. I said very quietly, it seems to me you're very angry about that question. Yes, I am angry about that question, Pastor. It's not a fair question. I said, well, you know what? Your behavior and your attitude tell me that you probably are not saved, and you need to revisit that question. Oh, she just totally lost it. And she said, this visit is over, Pastor. And she stood up. So my wife and I stood up and said, I hope to see you Sunday. And we left. She was very angry with me. Why? because I dared to ask her, are you so certain of your salvation? And you can act with malice and backbiting and gossip, and you're sure of your salvation? I don't think so. See, I pray that this broadcast, day by day, would cause every American to question whether or not you're right with God. Whether you're good enough. I can tell you right now, none of us are good enough. So let's stop all the games. Let's stop the modern American sentimental foolishness of the church and deal with the honest wrath of God against wickedness. I pray that these messages will cause you to feel that you are not right with God because I don't know if it's possible for an American to be right with God. Why would I say that? Because the American church has been greatly influenced by the world. And so we're a lazy bunch. We don't want to spend the hours necessary in prayer to either hear from the Lord regarding our own condition before him or to pray for our family that they might be saved. I guess one of the questions that I'd want to ask you is, if you don't like my asking or suggesting that you may not be right with God, do you have a flock of people that you've won to Jesus? And have their lives been totally transformed and changed into the likeness of Jesus? And do you have Jesus as your first and only object of interest? Do you have Jesus as your only Lord and your only Savior? Or are you still sucking on the poison of the world? Are you still sucking on the television? Are you still sucking on the on the sports? Are you still sucking on the entertainment of the world, the movies? Are you still sucking on those novels? Are you still going after the the world's dress? Are you still going after the interests of this world? Or have you completely transitioned to the interests of the kingdom of God? Is your heart given totally and completely over to Jesus Christ? The wrath of God is coming against the American church. We are at the edge of a total breakdown of total destruction in America. And God is angry with the pastors and the churches of America, and his judgment will be soon very evident in these churches. It stuns me that in this day and hour, even as I'm speaking to you now, pastors are saying, oh, let's Let's borrow the money from Pharaoh, from the banks, and let's build our big church building. We've got enough brush pulled together in this pile that we need a big church. Really? Is that where your heart is? Is that where your interest is? Then you've missed it. This is not the time to be building a new church. This is not the time to be going in debt. This is the time to be on your knees before Almighty God, asking for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come in power. So I read and I understand this comment made by one of our listeners. And yes, I understand that some of you are probably weary of listening to this preacher, and some of you are not real happy with me because I'm suggesting that none of us are really right with God, and I'll include myself there. Never forget, sitting in Times Square Church in the office suite of Pastor David Wilkerson, and he said to me, Brother Ray, I've been, I've been in prayer all night last night. I said, why? He said, because I need the Holy Spirit. He said, because I'm still getting caught in selfishness. I'm still getting caught in things I don't want to be involved in. I'm still having thoughts of anger. So I've been crying out to God, and I've been asking him to wash me and cleanse me and change me. I looked at this dear precious brother that I loved with all of my heart, and I said, if Pastor Wilkerson is still struggling, then I am too, and I was, and I am. I'm not where I want to be yet with Jesus. Can I be honest? I still get too caught in my own circumstances, and my own ways. I want to be finished with all of that. And I'm crying out to the Lord. Both my wife and myself are spending time crying out to the Lord. And As he opens the way, we will hold public meetings. And you know what my message at those public meetings will be. The same thing you hear here. We've got to get right with Jesus because he's coming. And his judgment is about to fall. And his wrath is about to come upon America. Now, this last week, my wife woke up from a dream. I wish she were here to tell you herself, but she's not. In her dream, she saw posted signs. Say no. Say no. Say no. And she was awake. I know that was a dream from the Lord. And I know the most important thing that I can say to the world, to the flesh, and to the devil is no. No, I will not. I will not go there. I am no longer under the power of the demonic Galatians, the fifth chapter. Now I say you must walk in the spirit and you absolutely cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh. That is your fallen nature. No allowance for it. Say no. Say no to the television. Say no to the world's entertainment. Say no to every, say no to that shopping trip that's not essential. Say no to the entertainment of the day. Say no to friends and family who want to get together and just chit-chat. Say no. Now the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Indeed, these things oppose each other, so that you may not do these things that you may desire. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I want you to be led by the Spirit of the living God. And I'm crying out that I too could be led by the Spirit of the living God. Now the works of the flesh are manifestations which are adultery. And adultery can be the physical act or it can be in your mind as you lust after another person. Fornication, uncleanness, indecency, which can be masturbation or some other sexual pleasure. Pornography. It's indecent. It's unclean. Idolatry, that is, putting anything ahead of Jesus. And in this American church, we've put just about everything and everybody ahead of Jesus. Witchcraft, well, let's be clear. The church is filled with witchcraft. These positive-thinking people who say all you need to do is, is make your affirmation put a picture on the refrigerator and say over and over that that car is mine i claim that car in the name of jesus that's my car and you're in the process of practicing witchcraft as you make your positive affirmations and in every way try to force the spirit realm to produce what you desire The book Think and Grow Rich, or the author Tony Robbins, and many others. Hatred, discord, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, strife. Dissensions, false teachings. The church is filled with false teachings. Envy, murder, drunkenness. How many Christians I know, so-called, who love their wine. They don't drink just a simple little glass of wine with dinner. They have a bottle of wine for dinner. revelries, in other words, party time, with loud laughter and carrying on, filthy jokes, things similar to these, which things I told you before, even as I said before, that the ones practicing such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. In fact, the ones who are of Christ crucified the flesh with the passions and the lusts. Have you done that? Or are you a lukewarm Christian who doesn't want your salvation messed with. You don't want to have to look at whether you're saved or not. You have been told you are loved unconditionally by God. He's forgiven all of your past, present, and future sins. You're good to go. You're on your way to heaven. And you've been totally deceived, and you don't want to hear anything that tells you anything different than that. You're comfortable in your wickedness. And the wrath of God is against you and you will not enter the kingdom of God. Now, when I go to the book of Revelation, and I want to do that now, we find Jesus speaking to the apostle John, and he has seven churches that Jesus gives him letters to give to their pastors. And one of the terrifying things about these letters is that Jesus identifies specific sin in the church. And he also tells them that he will remove the lampstand, that is, the Holy Spirit will be totally removed from the church if they don't repent. Pastor Ravenhill, who has now passed on to his reward, said very plainly that almost everything that goes on in the church today, I forget if he said 90% or 95%, almost everything that goes on will continue to go on without any Holy Spirit presence. That's been my experience. That's my observation as well. That almost everything that happens in the Christian church in America has no Holy Spirit presence or power. And the foolish ones who think they have the Holy Spirit because they shake or because gold dust comes down from the ceiling or their fillings suddenly become gold. That's kundalini spirit. That's Buddhism. It's not Christian Holy Spirit. It's the happy spirit. It's the Buddhist spirit. Now in chapter 2, Jesus Sends a letter to Ephesus. And he says, I have something against you. You've left your, you have left your first love. Now, the problem with that is most in the American church never had a first love because they were never confronted with the true reality of their wickedness. And so they have never been born from above, but they have been vaccinated against the gospel of Jesus. And they've joined a social organization that tells them that they're loved unconditionally and tells them that they are on their way to heaven, while in fact they are not on their way to heaven. They've just been vaccinated against Jesus. So when they hear the true word of God and their emotions are stirred, there is no reform in the way they behave in their value system or in their actions. Now he says in the last part of that word to the church at Ephesus, to the one overcoming, I will give to him to eat from the tree of life that is in the paradise. That's in Revelation 2, verse 7. In other words, Jesus is saying, You're going to have to say no. Say no. Or you're not going to enter my kingdom. You have to be an overcomer. And by definition, overcoming is doing a battle against something or someone. And the greatest one we have to battle against is ourselves, our pleasures, our comforts. Oh, we Americans love our comfort and our comfort foods, our entertainment where we can veg out. We love our little comfortable chairs that we sit in as we rock our way to hell. We don't want to do the work of searching the word of God and crying out in the prayer closet that we could be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Please hear me. To be born from above is a supernatural work of God that is done in the heart of a sinner. Most have never had that work of grace done in your hearts. Now to the church at Smyrna. Verse 11, the one having an ear must pay attention to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The one overcoming may by no means be harmed by the second death. Again, it is everyone who overcomes, everyone who simply says no to their flesh. No, I don't need to go on that shopping trip. No, I don't need to go on that vacation. No, I don't need to buy this or go there or talk to this person. I need to get to Jesus. And I need to repent. And I need to get right with him. And there's no room for self-righteousness. There's no room. We are so far in America from Jesus that I say, is it even possible for an American to be saved? It's almost impossible. But God can do all things. But it means we've got to get serious with God. And we've got to repent. The message to Pergamum, You must repent, but if not, I'm coming to you without delay and will make war against them with a sword out of my mouth. This one, having an ear, must hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To the one overcoming, I will give to him to eat of the manna having been hidden. In other words, God himself will feed you. but first you have to overcome you have to say no no to that internet movie no to that to that novel that so in en- engrosses you no to that television program or to that internet program no to the violence No. No to the extra sleep. No to that dessert, that sugar. No to the extra food. We've got to get serious with Jesus and go after him with all of our heart and all of our mind, or we're going to be lost. Again, to Thyatira. God is angry with the church at Thyatira because they tolerate the woman Jezebel. Please, men can also be Jezebel. He says, I'm the one searching minds and hearts. In fact, I will give to you each one according to your works or according to your activity i'm looking at what you do don't tell me that some preacher has told you you're saved you're on your way to heaven you're good to go just because you have the imputed grace of jesus and when jesus looks at you he doesn't see you he sees himself it's a lie. Jesus is saying, I'm going to judge you by by what you've done. And then those modern pastors will say, "Oh, your works are rewarded in heaven." And so what he's talking about is you'll just receive fewer works or fewer rewards for your works if you mess up. No, he's not. He's saying if you don't get this right, if you don't repent, if you don't humble your heart, you're going to go to hell. I'm going to cast you into the fire. He is not a tolerant God. God is not tolerant of our sin. Our sin cost him his son. Jesus was crucified for your sin. You think Jesus is going to be, say, oh, oh Father, be tolerant with them. Be gentle with them. No. He says again in verse 26 to the church at Thyatira, the one overcoming and the one keeping my works until the end, I will give him authority over the nations. Again, he's describing something we must do. We must overcome. We must say no. What has the Holy Spirit been calling you to say no to? What is it that the Holy Spirit has been calling you to say no to? Have you said no? Or have you said, oh, come on, it doesn't really matter. God has me. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Don't worry about it. I'm good. I'm good to go. I'm tired of this holiness talk. I'm, I'm tired of this conditional love of God. I want unconditional love. I want to love everybody. I want to make friends with everybody. Everybody's okay. We're all doing the best we can do, and we're all going to the same place. Absolutely. It's called hell. It's called hell. If you look at the the message to Philadelphia, where there's no criticism laid against them, he's still in verse 12 of the third chapter says, the one overcoming, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. In other words, you're going to have to stand up and be responsible for yourself. you know what i hear some people say they say pastor it's too hard to follow jesus he's a hard god well you know what what they're really saying is i'm a lazy bum i don't want to do the work oh i thought there was no work involved in my following jesus yes salvation is a free gift but you have to say no to yourself you have to say no to your sin You have to turn aside. So people say, Pastor, it's just, you know, I'm as good as anybody else. I'm as good as anybody else. It's just too hard to be a Christian pastor. One famous pastor, I won't name him, but many of you listen to him regularly. He was raised in a holiness home. He was told he had to overcome his sin. And he finally said, when he became an adult, I can't overcome my sin. Why could he not overcome his sin? Because he loved his sin. He did not want to turn aside from it. And he he finally said, I'm going to just believe that Jesus has unconditional love for me, that all of my sins were forgiven, I can't lose my salvation, I'm on my way to heaven. Why? Because he was too lazy to obey the word of God and be crucified with Jesus. This is a matter of, are you willing to be crucified with Christ? Are you willing to lose yourself? Jesus said, if you... Don't lose yourself for me and for my kingdom. You cannot enter in. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And you will lose your soul if you are not crucified with Jesus Christ and totally lose your life. And so, yes, I understand when this person said, get weary, I'm not going to listen to this anymore. And I find that people turn this broadcast off and then later They'll come back and say, well, I better find out. I better find out what Pastor Ray's saying. Every human person has the power by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, every person has the power to say no to their sin. No to their sin. He says, All those whom I may love, I convict and instruct. Verse 19, chapter 3, verse 19. So you must be zealous and you must repent. Listen. I've stood at the door and I'm knocking. If anyone may hear my voice and may open the door, I will also come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. The one overcoming, I will give to him to sit with me on my throne as I also ever came and sit down with my father on his throne. Well, there it is. You are going to have to overcome if you're going to enter into the kingdom of God. It's up to you. I want you to know that I love you. I pray for you. I am praying that God will give you great conviction to understand your true condition before a holy and righteous God. And you will make the decision to go after Jesus and to repent well we're coming now to the end of the month and I'd love to have your support if you love this message and this gospel of Jesus and you want to help carry us on the air write to me at National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 I need your help. It's the end of the month. Will you help? As the Holy Spirit prompts you, would you give? Now, you can also go online, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can give online. I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm asking God to do His work in our hearts. Pray for me. I'll talk to you soon.
1: To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus.